and soak it up. I've got some stuff up here we'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, but I can hardly believe it's been 17 years. Wow. Yeah, that's right. 17 years. It almost seems like it was yesterday. It's, uh, you know, 18, just a little over 18 years ago, I, I remember specifically where I was in our house in Tulsa, went just sort of minding my own business, you know, and God showed up and said, I want you to plant a life-giving church in Madison, Wisconsin. And wow, I mean, there was three different areas that we were thinking about. We were thinking about Washington, D.C., Boulder, Colorado, and Madison. And he specifically said, Madison, Wisconsin is where I want you to be. And so I cannot tell you what that did in my personal life. Um, so we began to pray and ask God for direction. Just so you know, I just want to give you some history here. I know a lot of you are new. How many of you have been here less than a year? Let me see your hand. Look at that. How many of you have been here less than two? Let me see your hand. Keep those hands up if you've been here less than a year. Okay. Two. How about three? Less than three years. How about four? Look at that. How about five? All right. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Welcome home, right? But we began to pray back then. We began to pray. I used to call it back then, we, used to, we, we began to suck some rug. <laughs> you know, on your face. I, I know that. So you think I'm crazy, but that's all right. Uh, we, we began to pray. We just began to ask the Lord to show us specifically where he wanted us and, and how that would look and what that would, you know, feel like and where and all that. We just began to ask God. And, and I'll never forget, we just began to trust him to speak to us. And um, then, then in our, that was in our living room in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we just begin to gather, you know. There's several people that are still here that were a part of that. Um, just begin to gather and pray and ask God, please show us. And, and then from time to time, during that time before we moved here, we just, we just get in a car and drive here from Tulsa, like 12 hours, um, or jump on a plane and fly here. And then we'd walk the streets of the city. We'd just walk and pray and walk and pray and walk and pray. And, and uh, we, we began to pray for people. We began you know, to pray for the city. We began to pray for marriages. We began to pray for families, and we began to pray for people that were addicted. I remember praying for um, those who had been abused. I, I, I remember praying for churches. Uh, we, we actually gathered phone books out of hotels that, that they were thrown away. Not that we stole them, just so you know. Um, they were throwing them away and getting new ones in. And back then you had phone books. You don't have them anymore. <laughs> you know, some of you are saying, what's a phone book? <laughs> um, but back then we had phone books. And, and I remember going through, we took several phone books back with us to Tulsa. And we would just go through the church section, tear out pages, and we would divide them up in our living room and pray over them. So when we pray for a church here every Sunday, that's where it started, in our living room back in Tulsa praying that God would raise the overall spiritual levels here in this community. Amen? Amen? We prayed for ch churches. We prayed for the government. We prayed for the campus. We walked the streets and we prayed for the presence of God. We prayed for the Holy Spirit to be real in this city. We prayed for people to be receptive. We prayed for, for God to make a place for us here in this city. We prayed for God to give us his divine favor, to make the crooked way straight, and that we would find favor when we got here, and we have. I mean, this place was favor, the fact that we're meeting here. We were hand-selected by the owner of this place and said, I believe you are supposed to meet and have church in this place. 
How many of you know that's favor? This past week, I was just thinking about some of the things that have happened over the last 17 years, and and I thought about it, and I, I began to walk through some records that I have that I keep um, about things that are important. As I was going through that, I found out that we've seen well over 1,000 people commit their life to Christ here in this city over the last 17 years. I know it's crazy when you think about it. But I keep records of those things. And man, you think about a thousand, well over a thousand people's names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life that are going to spend eternity with us because of the seed that was planted 17 years ago. We've also watched the spiritual unity of the churches in this city grow exponentially. That was one of our hearts when we came to this city, one of our goals, to help that whole thing. We've, we've invested over the last... 17 years, we took three years out and invested in a country called Venezuela. And many of you know it's going through a horrible dictatorship right now where food and and medicine are scarce to none and famine has struck. And I believe as we invested those three years as a church into Venezuela, I believe that God was thinking ahead that, that one day this stuff was going to happen, and he was raising up pastors and leaders to help be prepared for a time such as this. We still keep in contact with those churches, or the the main guy back back there. We actually just sent them a check to help provide medicine. He's a doctor now, my translator. Matt knows who it is, and Allison. Um, And he goes across the border and helps to treat patients free of charge. Um, and take them whatever medicine he can, he can actually scrounge up. See, we're still having an impact in, in Venezuela, even though we're here. We, we've helped uh, drill hundreds of new wells to provide fresh, clean drinking water in poverty-stricken countries through our partnership with Advent Conspiracy. See, these are just a few things. We've watched 135 people from 20 different churches attend our Madison School of Leadership and get trained to help be better leaders um, in their church and the city. We've watched hundreds, documented hundreds of people healed of relational and emotional wounds that came here that had been hurt and get healed and whole and healthy and then be sent out all over the U.S. and the world. (laughs) You know, just them, them saying that to me, that God has done a work in me and he's healed my heart and he, I'm whole again. Now I can go forward and do what I really feel like I, I need to do in my life. We've, we've given more than a half of million dollars to world missions. Did you hear me? This little church has given over a half a million dollars to world missions. And all over the different parts of the country, we helped planted. Um, 900, almost 900 churches here in the United States. Uh, yeah, who is right? Almost 900 churches here in the United States and 300 abroad um, in China and some of the underground churches abroad through our partnership with the ARC and some of the other partnerships that we've had. We've impacted more than 500 U.S. cities and 100 countries with this little church 
called Metro Believers Church. And that's just a couple of things, just a few things that we've accomplished over the past 17 years. You know what? It's amazing, amazing what God can do with a small group of people who are committed to the right stuff. Amen? Yeah. And so, you know, about 10 days ago, I was, I was in one of the oldest churches, oldest African-American churches in the city, um, Mount Zion Baptist Church, 108 years old. Can you believe that? <laughs> that's a long, that's an old thing, right? And I, no, seriously, I was thinking about 108 years here in the African-American church. And, and I was talking to, to Marcus, who's the, the pastor, Marcus Allen, been there about two years now. And we were, we were just walking through the building and, and he showed me, he said, this is where it all started. And it was a little room about, about 20 by 30. Um, you know, and now, of course, they have a wonderful sanctuary and all that stuff. And, you know, they've expanded probably a dozen times since 108 years. And I was sitting there thinking about the future of NBC and its legacy and, and uh, what will happen long after I'm pushing up daisies, you know, long after I'm gone. And my hope is that Metro Believers Church, a uh, hundred years from now, will be able to be a viable, sustainable ministry impact in this city, should the Lord tarry. Amen? Can you wrap your mind around that? Can you wrap your heart around that? See, what we do today doesn't just impact us or affect us. What we do today impacts and affects generations to come. So our sacrifices today, our giving today, our serving today impacts so much more than today, even though that's important. We're talking about longevity here. We're talking about leaving a legacy. And it just stirred my heart. And, you know, the Bible says over in Zechariah, in chapter 4, verse 10, it's not in your notes because you don't have one, um, don't despise the day of small beginnings. <laughs> Amen. Don't, don't despise. In other words, don't belittle it, the day of small beginnings, because you never know, you never know what God can do with a group of people that are committed to the right stuff. Today, I want to talk to you real quick about four things. First, who we are. Second, why we're here. And third, what's important. And then last, I want to talk about where we're going. First, who we are. So earlier this week, I, I posted on Facebook, if you had to describe NBC in one word, what would that be? And got a bunch of responses, and uh, here's some of those responses. Uh, family. Um, how many of you can resonate with that? Family. NBC is family. Um, another one was life-changing, you know. Um, you know those people that have to get, you know, two words in when you ask them for one, right? <laughs> they hyphenate it, right? Life-changing, right? <laughs> but it translates. It communicates. Uh, another one said pastored. If you could describe NBC in one word, it would be pastored. Another one was welcoming. Then, then the next one was accepting. Another word was home. Another word was fun. And then another word was growth. Another word was community. Another word was safe. Another word was real, and these, some of these had multiples, okay? Real was one of those. Real. NBC, if I could describe it in one word, I'd have to say real. Another one was resilient. Another one was uplifting. Another one was team. 
And then there's another one that was biblical. If you could describe NBC in one word, it was encouraging. Another one was lasting. And, and, and another one was generous. Generous, I heard several times again. It was a common theme from some of the people that reached out to me. Generous, I hear this all the time. We have tried our best to model generosity in the city. Many, many, many of you don't know this, but we have, Metro Believers Church has been generous, not just to us as a church, but to other churches in the city. We sow resources into expansions and new building programs and things that other churches are doing to sow, to be a part of the city, see, to help, help them succeed. How many of you know when you help others succeed, you succeed? It's seed planted someday for us in our building <laughs> in the future, see? So who is, who, who are we? Well, I think it's very, very obvious for those of you that have been around for a while um, that Metro Believers Church is real people living in a real world, serving a real God. That's well, just not a banner. That's just, that's been something that's been in my heart before we ever moved here in this church, that we're real. That, that's why I loved it, that a lot of the remarks that people shared with me this past week is, if I could describe Metro Believers Church in one word, it would be real. Why? Why is that important? Because we're, we're talking about being relatable. We're talking about being relevant. We're talking about being transparent, say. And that's what I want this church to be. I don't want us to be religious. I don't want us to play games and be plastic you know, people, as Casting Crowns put it. I don't want it to be, I, don't, I want us to be real. You know, sometimes it's the good, sometimes it's the bad, sometimes it's the ugly. But, but let's be real about it. Let's, let's be real. We're real people. You know, I, the, some of the backgrounds I've come from, it was a lot of playing church and facade. And, you know, you couldn't be transparent. You couldn't be real. You could never admit certain things. And, and I don't want to be like that. I want to be able to share with you, and I want you to be able to share with each other what you're dealing with for real, and be transparent about it, and be real about it, amen, without having to pretend and wear a mask. So Metro, who are we? Metro, uh, Metro Believers Church is real people living in a real world, serving a real God. All of that underscores the word real, okay? Our purpose is to make it hard for people to go to hell for Madison, Okay? Yeah, there is a real heaven and there is a real hell, okay? And our purpose for being here is to make it real hard for people to go to hell. Our motto is we do life together. Now, um, this church was founded on a relational philosophy that we want to be in relationship with one another, not, you know, not just sort of see each other at church and see you later, you know, kind of a thing. We want to build life-giving relationships, um, and be real about it and do life together. For years, as I pastored, I watched people do church together, not life. And so we want to do life together and we want to, you know, we want to do it better and better and better. You know, sometimes things ebb and flow. How many of you know what I'm talking about in life? Does your life do that or am I the only one? You know, and I, there's been times where we've done that better than now. And we need to do better, Right? in that whole arena of doing life together, each other, you know, connecting with one another and being real in our relationships. Who are we? Well, our, our, our goal is to honor God and serve people. It's pretty simple. We want to honor God and serve people. I think that's pretty cool. 
You know, if we make it our goal to get up every morning and honor God with our lives and serve people that we encounter, I think that's a pretty cool thing. Our philosophy here at Metro Believers Church is our, a city church philosophy, and that's simply, there's just one church in this city, we just happen to meet in different places. So, you know, when I first went into ministry almost 40 years ago, I know it, I don't look that old, do I? Right? <laughs> almost 40 years ago, um, it, you know, you were, you were like it, you know, and everyone else was wrong. You know, you were the best, you were the brightest, you were the most spiritual, and everyone else didn't even matter. And maybe it's hard for some of you to believe that, but that was the environment back then. It just got sickening to me as a pastor that we couldn't get along and honor and promote and protect and pray for one another. Why do I have to demonize everyone else so I can justify our existence? So we made it our goal. We were going to build this coalition of churches and honor one another and do our best to have a city church philosophy, just one church in the city. We just happen to meet in different places. Our mandate as a church, these are just reminders of who we are, is to help plant new churches. Okay, that was a mandate. God spoke to me about planting 100 churches before we even planted this one. And it freaked me. You know the story if you've listened to it. Um, and so now, through our strategic partnerships, we've been able to plant 12, 1,300. Amen? So that's awesome. And then our mentality is, our, is a loaves and fishes mentality. What does that mean? What does loaves and fishes mean? That means, remember the boy in the, in the Bible that, you know, Jesus was preaching, and he preached a longer sermon than me? So you know. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, people were getting hungry. It was about dinner time. And he said, you know, the disciples said, we got to send these guys away because they are hungry. And, and Jesus said, don't send them away. You feed them. And he said, we don't have a Chick-fil-A because they're closed on Sunday, right? <laughs> um, but at any rate, you know, he's, you know the story. He got two loaves and fishes and, and fed the multitude. And here's what I believe. You know, by ourselves, none of us have a whole lot. You know, it's not like, you know, I'm this shining star and I'm, I got it all. You know, I've just got a couple loaves and fishes, right? And you've got a couple of them. 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 You've got a couple and Here's what I believe. This is our mentality. That if you and I all bring our loaves and fishes together, take what we have through our time, our talents, and our treasures, and bring it together, right? Give it to the Lord and ask him to bless it. He'll feed the multitude. That's the story behind the loaves and fishes mentality. And that's what we believe here at Metro Believers Church. That's who we are. So why are we here? Next, second, why are we here? Well, over here, you see why we're here. Metro Believers Church exists, that's that little word over there in the left-hand corner, exists to provide a place for people, notice, to provide a place for what? People. To begin their walk with God through evangelism. Let's change that word on the bottom from evangelism to invitation. Maybe because some of you just, that word freaks you out. Maybe you've come from a background where it was abusive. So let's just say, 
We, we, we exist to provide a place for people to begin their walk with God, period, right? Whatever means, through invitation, through evangelism, through whatever. That's why we're here, is so that thousand or more people that came to Christ could come to Christ. They could begin their walk with God through evangelism. We're here to belong through fellowship or community. We're here, we're here to ben- or to become through Christ-like, become Christ-like through discipleship, to benefit through ministry and servanthood, and to bond with God through celebration and worship. That's why we're here. Did you hear me? That's our mission. That's our mission. That's why we're here. Those five things is why God sent us here to be a part of this whole idea. And, and our goal is simple, is to help you reach His. Our, our goal is to help you fulfill your divine destiny at Metro Believers Church, that you'd be able to, to experience life and understand what God's saying and who God is in your life. Now, one of the foundational texts that we came to Madison with was in Luke 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, where Jesus is speaking and he says this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from, for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of God's favor. And those are the five basic things that we really came here to do in the very beginning, and they, they still exist, just so you know. What, what are they? They're to share the good news. <laughs> Amen? We want, we want to share the good news here at Metro Believers Church. We want to encourage you to share the good news with your life circle and your sphere. We want to encourage you to, to share the good news with your family. We want to proclaim uh, freedom to prisoners. How many of you know there's, there's freedom in Christ? You, you know my story. You know that there's some freedom, man. I was messed up, jacked up. And there's freedom. We want, it, we want people to experience freedom. Uh, we want to restore the, the sight to the blind. Now, that's just not physically. Yeah, that's cool too, but spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Amen? Restore sight to the blind. We want to release the oppressed. There's people that are oppressed. I can't tell you how many people I've intersected with over the last 17 years that have been oppressed. And somehow God was able to help them you know, let those shackles fall by their side and, and walk into freedom. And then last, we want to we wanna remind people that God, God loves them. Amen? We want to proclaim the, the Lord's favor to people, that God favors us. God favors you. God sent us here to plant a life-giving church. And my first message had a missional mandate in, in Matthew chapter 9. Look at this verse. Check this out. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And, and, and I can't tell you how much that impacts my life. When Jesus saw the crowds, and I see the crowds in the city, I see people. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Think about that. And that's Madison. That's the greater Madison area, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he looked at his disciples and he said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest 
field. And can I tell you that we have been asking for 17 years that God would send people just like you to this church. See, that, the, you're an answer to prayer. Did you hear me? You're an answer to prayer. We've been asking for God to send people like you. And that, that's what this is about. So, so third, the third thing I want to talk about is what's important. I'll tell you what's important is you. You. You experiencing life. You understanding Christ. You being taught and growing and walking with Christ and experiencing life and having relationships. You. That, what's important around here is you. Just so you know. You. And, and if we're going to accomplish some of the things that, that God has put in our hearts to accomplish, I promise you, I, it's going to take everyone doing their part. Recently, I read an article by, by Tom Rainer, um, and he's the founder and CEO of Church Answers. It's an online community um, and resource for church leaders. And he wrote, he wrote a, an article, um, and I thought, I thought it had application to even us and me personally, just to remind me about what's important. The title of the article was, Why I Attend Church. Why I Attend Church. He says, in a culture that, mac- or that minimizes commitment and maximizes self-indulgence, I have learned the precious gift of church attendance, or more specifically, the church gathered. I do not see church attendance as a burden or legalistic commitment. I view it as joy, a place where I can give and serve, a place where I can focus more on others than myself. It helps me. I could name many, but here's 10 reasons I attend church. First, I attend church to serve others. I attend church to serve others. It's not about me. There's so much greater joy in serving than seeking to be served. I have many opportunities to serve when the church is gathered. Those opportunities are my gifts from God. Second, I attend church to encourage others. So to serve others, then encourage others. We live in a world of incredible digital communication but there is still something irreplaceable about gathering together. When I encounter someone in person at church, I have the opportunity to encourage that person in person as well, not just through digital communication. Third, I attend church to encourage my pastor. I doubt many of us know, he says, how much our pastors serve us and love us seven days a week. The least I can do is be there for my pastor in person when we gather for church. I know it encourages my pastor, and I want our pastors to have the gift of encouragement every week. And can I tell you, that's the truth. When you show up, there's a great encouragement that helps me, okay? And I believe that we need to encourage one another. Fourth, I attend church to state my priorities, If I'm able to go to work, I'm able to go to school, I'm able to go on vacation, or I watch 
are involved in a sport. I can attend church. I desire to have a no-excuse clause for my life when it comes to going to church. Five, I attend church to participate in worship. There is something special and spirit-filled about worshiping together. How many of you know what I'm talking about? With other Christians. It is both an opportunity and a gift that I do not take lightly. Sixth, I attend church even if it doesn't meet all of my needs. I think that's good, right? If I say I'm not getting fed, it likely means I'm not hungry spiritually. If my church does not do something or do, does do some, some things a bit differently than my preferences, I realize that I am here not as a consumer but as a giver and one who has been called to put the other's needs before my own. No church is perfect. We say that. No, no worship style is perfect. No pastor is perfect. Amen. And I am not perfect, he says. Number seven, I attend church with frequency, not on occasion. It is my prayer to be in Sunday every church. When I'm out of town, I can find another church. I can pray. I will never say I need a break from church. I certainly don't want God to take a break from me. Eighth, I attend church to set an example to my family. Couples, it's a, it's a fact, couples have healthier marriages when they attend church. Okay? Children grow up with countless benefits their parent, because their parents took them to church. I need to show the importance and priority of church attendance to those I love. Nine, I attend church because the Bible tells me to. <laughs> right? Two-thirds of the New Testament, New Testament is about churches, specifically gathered churches. The, the words of the writer in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 are powerful, powerful, which says, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and more as you see the day approaching. How many of you know we see the day approaching? That means we ought to encourage each other more. And number 10, he says, I attend church because I love my church. I love my church. I love my pastor. I love the members of my church. I love the community my church serves. And if I love someone, I will be there for them. It is becoming increasingly common to see church attendance as just another activity, an option among many, a place to get consumer preferences met or an occasional gathering to hide an anonymity. It has become increasingly popular for some to argue that church attendance is not a high priority because the building is not the church, the people are. But those people are supposed to gather. Indeed, they are commanded to gather. Amen? So hopefully, you can you say that? Can you say that? Can you say those 10 things? I... I I, I, I've been wrestling and saying, make sure, make sure Glenn, you as the pastor can say that yourself. Amen? Because I have a lot of things in my heart that I think this church needs to accomplish, accomplish way before I'm done. So where are we going? Where are we going? What are we going to do? Well, first of all, we're going to rebuild the wall where life and the enemy has taken some bricks out over the last few years. That's a priority. We're going to rebuild the wall like Nehemiah did, okay? 
I don't know if you have noticed, but there are fewer of us here than there used to be. Why is that? Well, I mean, there's several reasons. Many have moved away, further away from the church, and it's very difficult to get here. Some have moved out of state. A few years ago, uh, I was looking back, and we lost like 150 people over a period of 18 months to relocation. It's a lot of people. For others, um, different challenges in their work schedules caused them to find a church with more service options and other felt needs that they had, okay? And for a few, they just decided NBC wasn't hitting it anymore for them. And you never see me demonize people like that. (laughs) Amen? I love people. We love people here at Metro Believers Church. And if they feel that their life challenges leads them elsewhere, we will pray and bless them. Amen? To my knowledge, um, no one has ever left mad or upset. Or if they, they felt upset about something, we've tried to talk to them. When someone leaves our church, and this, ha- and this is true for, for every church, when someone does that, you have a choice to make. You can either let it affect you in a negative way, or you can say, I'm stepping up, right? You can step up to the plate and fill the gap, perhaps, that is left. Also, I, and it's in terms of attendance, um, I think live stream has hurt us um, in some ways. Um, just so you know, I don't want to offend anybody out there in live stream land, <laughs> just so you know. But, but, you know, the whole idea behind live stream was so that, you know, it would be, it would be um, there for people who were perhaps homesick or in a, in a crisis situation. They couldn't attend service anymore, but, you know, before we had nothing. They had nothing. They were just home, right? Or they were traveling or life circumstances kept them away, um, it was never in the intention to replace the church. Never. So, so if you're out there and you know, you're in one of those situations, I understand that. You know, but we need you here. We want you here. Just so you know, we miss you, okay? And we don't want you to let this replace this. Amen? So, so those are some of the things I think... That, that, you know, affects us and other churches as well, just so you know. It's not just unique to us. You see, churches are like, they're like families. <laughs> For real, they're like families. And but we all know, we all have our ups and downs. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just Vicky and I. Um, you know, we have our ups and downs. We have our challenges and our frustrations. Just me, okay. You know, <laughs> stuff happens, right? <laughs> stuff happens. Life happens. And we have our good days and our bad days. We have our steak days and our bologna sandwich days. We have our Disney days and our clean out the garage days, you know. (laughs) We all have that, right? Um, I mean, there are times when things go really well and times where things go south, you know. And just like in a family, you try your best to build a solid foundation so that when you have those tough times, you can withstand them and they don't destroy their family. So we too as a church have attempted 
to do the same, but that doesn't mean that you are not going to have challenges, right? And you're not going to lose people, okay? At a recent MP3 meeting, that's a pastor's meeting that I'm part of the lead team of, um, a pastor here in the city, well-respected, well-known, was sharing his heart in tears, and he said, I have to confess that one of the toughest things and the greatest challenges of pastoring is losing people. And he began to weep. And I have to say that I could so relate to him. It's true. After 39 years of pastoring, it's still one of the toughest things to experience, just so you know. I understand when it happens, but it still breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. But in case you're wondering if this phenomenon is unique to us, it happened to Jesus too. Look at John chapter 6. It'll appear on the screen. How many think Jesus was the ultimate communicator? The ultimate pastor? The ultimate leader? But check this out. Verse 66 says, At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They left. They just checked out. (laughs) It's like his attendance dropped. (laughs) Giving dropped. (laughs) Right? Let's just, let's, just, let's just put it where it is. And then Jesus turned to his 12 disciples and he said, are you going to go too? Are you leaving too? Um, and of course, Peter says, where are we going to go? <laughs> You've got the words of life, right? Where are we going to go? So, so just so you know, I mean, it happens to every church. It happens to every leader. It's part of of what goes on in church life, it sucks, but it's life. So, we're going to rebuild the walls. Amen? How many of you with me? We're just going to rebuild the walls. We're going to trust the Lord. He's got a plan for us. He's not finished with us. He's he's got a lot of of 17 years left in this place. Did you hear me? You know. And so, there's a lot to be done here. There's a lot of things we want to do. There's a lot of things we want to accomplish. And so I, I, I love this city. How many of you love this city? I do, I do. I really do. I love this city. I love the fact that God put us here, and he's got a purpose and a plan and a reason for us being here. And so I want to see some of us, uh, our church do some creative outreaches here in this community. I want to see us make an impact in the mark, and I strongly believe in strategic partnerships. In other words, we don't do it on our own. We did a strategic partnership with the Sexuality Everywhere Conference. And four of us churches got together, and then a bunch more joined, and we put that on so that people could be well-informed about sexuality and struggles in our current culture. I want to see us do more of those. And we're working behind the scenes with other churches right now to talk about other things that are necessary. I want to see us do more strategic outreaches. I want to see us be more involved with ending human sex trafficking and ending uh, modern-day slavery, say. 
here in this church. And some of the strategic partnerships that we have is International Justice Mission. Freedom Swim coming up this Saturday, by the way. Those of you that are involved with that or those of you that want to give to that. Freedom Swim. Uh, Over 140 people are signed up to raise money for ending modern-day slavery or sex trafficking. Ethical Trading Company. James is back there right now. Um, He's part of that process. His ministry helps do that. We have every daughter for Christ here in this community, every daughter um, that is a strategic partner with us in those areas. I want to see us do more of that. I want to see us do more with impacting the teen homeless crisis here in this community. Did you know that in Dane County, it is estimated that approximately 300 youth go to bed homeless each night? And one in three youth will be approached for sex in exchange for basically food or shelter here in this community, right here in Madison or Dane County? We have a strategic partnership with Briar Patch that we want to see continue. We used to, you know, a couple years ago we did those backpacks filled with stuff, and we went out and gave them to them. We're going to do that again. We're going to find better ways to do that. I want to see us be involved more with neighborhood cleanup and helping with school food pantries. Our, our strategic partnership is with Selfless Ambition, Henry Sanders. There's all kinds of things we can do in communities that need our help, especially in the minority communities and minority churches. I want to see us be more involved with that. I want to see us be more involved with Alex G. and the Nehemiah in the urban development and helping to help prisoners re-enter back after they get out of prison. I want to see us do better with that. I want to see us do a better job with, with uh, the whole we do life together here in our church. I want to, we need, listen, we need a meal train czar. For real. We need someone who has those gifts that will take that over and say, you know what, when we have someone go through a di- when I was in the hospital and came home and I had all that treatment going on every day for eight weeks at home, we had people bring us meals from time to time. I cannot tell you how that helped. We need to do better in that. We need to help more, and we need some people to step up to the plate to do that. We need to, once again, create a culture of prayer. Listen, we've changed our prayer day to Sunday night. Saturday wasn't cutting it, obviously, for some of you. Now we've changed it to Sunday night. Next Sunday night at the team center, 6.30 to 7.30, one hour, we pray. And we want to invite you to be a part of that culture of prayer. Come on. Listen, everything, everything happens as a result of prayer. This church was birthed on prayer. I want to see us have greater discipleship. The new starting point class that we're doing before church is a huge step in that direction. We need to provide more opportunities for growth and people to, to be discipled and understand the Bible. Amen? I want to see us do a better job with our youth. I want to find ways to do that. I want to add an extra service. I want to do an east side campus. I want to eventually get our own building. We've got a lot to do. The journey is not over. Amen? God has some wonderful things in store for us, for real, and I'm excited about it. We're blessed to be a blessing, amen? That said, we have a lot to do. Listen, what can you do? You can be totally committed. 
to this church. You can serve. There's so many areas that need to be served in this area. Uh, we, we don't have a stage up here because it, it's, our, our, our volunteers are light. So we went to just the floor so we could take that pressure off. But there's so many other areas in this church that could use some help. And I want to ask you, if you're here and you're not currently involved in a ministry serving, think about it. Pray about it. We need you. Third, be faithful in your giving. That helps everything work around here. God has things in store for us. Not just me, us. Everyone say us. And that includes in all of us. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I'm done. I know I'm out of time. Let's have the worship team come. I could go on and on and on. Those are just a few things that I have in my gut. Listen, you know, to me, anniversaries are both exciting and sobering. They, when I, Vicky and I hit our milestones, you know, it's exciting, but it's sobering to say, man, what's, what, where, would it, where do we go from here? How do we keep this right, right? How do we keep this? I mean, we're knocking on the door of 43 years, man. How many of you are, how many of you are not even 40 years, 43 years old yet? Let me see your hand. Look at that. Yeah, we've been together. We've been together for 45, but we've been married for almost 43 and I, when I have an anniversary, I always ask the question, what do I need to do to make it better and sustainable? And I think the truth is, that's true for all of us during a regular church anniversary. Amen? Let's bow our heads. What's important? You. I mean, obviously, God and all that, our relationship with him. And you, you know that. I'm talking about as we move forward, what's, what's important? For you are important. Because without you, this church has no future. So I'm asking all of us, Everyone that's here, and hopefully those I've not offended on live stream. <laughs> to just say, you know what, I, I realize, I get it, I get it, and I'm, I'm here, count on me. Just, uh, just encourage you to search your heart right now. Make those adjustments. We need you. can't wait to see what God does in our lives together as we do life together. Father, I'm praying for every single person under the sound of my voice. Those that are here, those that are watching online, those that will listen later. God, you have a plan for us. They're good. And we want to be faithful to whom much is given, much is required. We want to be faithful, God, to your call on our lives in this church. 
We want to hear you say one day, well done. My good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of my kingdom. I want to hear that someday, God. We don't want other things to get us off track. We don't want to become distracted or discouraged. Breathe the breath of the Holy Spirit into this place. Breathe the breath of hope and encouragement. Breathe the breath of faithfulness. Jesus' mighty name.